I want a bit of the quiet life. I want a bit of shelf indulgence. If there is reading, give me all of it. Join the show on the Microbrew Radio. Listen to Jim, Wendy, and Emily. Join in the conversation. I want to hear it. I want to read it. I want a bit of self-indulgence. Good evening and welcome to tonight's special episode of Shelf Indulgence. Let us spurn into tonight's episode. So, oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see, so try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin will make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on. Don't be afraid and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. And those are the words first spoken to Harry Potter's year by the sorting hat at the first feast of the year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Ladies and gentlemen, Madame Monsieur, tonight we are heading to a very special place, the Potterverse. So um, it's going to be a show with several different aspects of love because all of us here are avid Harry Potter fans. Um, I'd like to start off by saying, um, I mean, it's just for me. And this might upset some people. It might even possibly upset Johnny because of how big a Tolkien fan he is. But I do think in terms of creating a world and the wider writing around the books, J.K. Rowling has produced a world akin to Middle Earth. Now, maybe not as much detail or as invention as I can see is 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 bubbling. Um, <laughs> and maybe not as much invention uh, as Middle Earth because you know she did start with a template of our own world. Um, but you know this this is a world she's created in much way in much the same way that Pratchett created this world and Tolkien created Middle Earth. This is a world where you could, if you wanted to, and lots of fans have, you could step into the Potterverse and write your own story as long as you followed the rules of her universe. Would you uh, care to disagree at all there, Johnny? Or? I, well, well um, I love Tolkien and I, I will always put him above anyone else, but... I think it is certainly one of the most comprehensively well thought out 
worlds created in fiction, I think, um, in terms of a fantastical setting. Uh, because the thing I find with the Potter world is that it could be real. And I know, you know, magic and stuff, yeah, that doesn't exist. But magic is just science that hasn't been explained yet. And also, the whole point of it is that this is a secret world that us muggles, we don't know about it. So, and I kind of love that aspect that Harry Potter, it it might have happened. We don't know that. Maybe J.K. Rowling knows exactly what happened and she's just written it down in some books somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, I absolutely love that about it. Like, she's so yeah. clever and inventive. There, there is a... Um... There is a fan, th- a fanfic conspiracy where uh, J.K. Rowling is actually Rita Skeeter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, I, I suppose we all. I mean, is there anyone listening or watching who doesn't know of Harry Potter? I'd, I'd say I'd be surprised if you've not heard of him at all. Um, I'd still be surprised if you'd never seen any of the movies because I think. Most people have seen at least one of the movies. Um, it might not be your cup of tea, but I do think this is a great literary work. It's something that will stand the test of time. It has so far stood the test of time because it's not a new book. I mean, the first book was 97? 97. Uh, I remember it coming out well. Um, I don't. I can rem- yeah, well, you're young. <laughs> Um, and you know and I grew up with these books as a child reading them I remember waiting for the next book to come out Um, and it's it's great writing because for me it creates like you say Johnny a, a believable world a world that could well exist and also she really plays on relationships and feelings and there's a lot of empathy for me in the books and not necessarily towards harry uh, this now this could be controversial i personally find harry a bit of a whiny spoiled brat at times that's quite common to be fair a lot yeah. of harry potter fans don't actually like harry <laughs> i'm not that much of a fan of harry um <laughs> because he does he does go on a bit and he does whinge and i do think oh come on Oh, you've been so hard. And, and he has, he has had a hard time living with the Dursleys. <laughs> and his mum and dad were murdered by and the... he did try and yeah, yeah, yeah. get killed. You yeah. Know. But Not try to get there are definitely times in the books where I found myself going, oh, just get over yourself, Harry. It's not all about you. But he is a teenager. Good point. Good point. He is a teenager. And he definitely grows up. So who... Yeah. who Who's your favourite character? Luna. Not even a question about it. <laughs> Johnny? Uh, Lupin. Lupin, okay. Yeah, uh, Wendy? Hermione. Hermione, good choice. For me, I think I go with Dumbledore. Mm. Shock. I like Dumbledore. And, you know, it's because, you know, he, he does see this bigger picture. And he does have to do things that he doesn't like. Um, 
and and there, I mean, there's wonderful drama written, isn't there? I mean, that line where Snape uh, in book seven says to Dumbledore, "You've kept him as a uh, fattening him up as a lamb for the slaughter." Mm. Yeah, that's that's heavy stuff. Yeah, you know, um, and also, I I mean, obviously it's rolling, but Dumbledore is responsible for one of my greatest favourite. Uh, quotes from any fictional character, and that is, well, of course it's happening in your head, but who's to say that isn't real? Yeah. I love that because that that for me just takes everything that we as book lovers love and just goes, it's all real. Yeah. Yes, it's happening in your head, but it's still real. You still lived that experience. You went on that journey with those characters. Uh, Wendy, um, for you. Uh, as our uh, more senior presenter, shall we say? Thanks. Um, obviously, you you didn't grow up with these as a child. So, what was your introduction, Tari? Um, I was at work. I, I was working at the. Um, I was working at Birmingham Health Authority uh, as an education and training manager at the time, and there was um, a, um, a really interesting guy who I used to work with. He was into all sorts of stuff. He, um, he was into tarot cards and he, he liked fantasy books and um, it, it was just an interesting guy to chat to. And over lunch one day, I noticed he'd got this children's book um, and I said, what, what, what's that you're reading? And he said, oh, it's, the, it's Harry Potter. And I said, never heard of it. And he said, oh, my God, he said, it's, it's absolutely the rage. And I said, but it's a children's book. And he said, yeah, he said, overlook that. He said, go get, get a copy and read it. He said, and then come back to me when you've read it and tell me you still think it's a children's book. Um, and he was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. It is the only, only children's book that I've ever read that is absolutely, for me, it's a parallel adult and children's book. And they the, the themes run in parallel um you can read it and enjoy it as a child but you can absolutely appreciate it as an adult and i'd never read a book like that before so i was hooked mm. see i i find that for some of Dahl's works mm. i think charlie and the chocolate factory uh the min pins um down the champion of the world are books that you can find different levels of appreciation mm. out of as a child and as an adult mm. maybe I, I not to the degree I, th I think that's the mark of a good children's book. Um, I, I think Harry Potter is exceptionally good at it, more yeah. than or, almost any other that I can think of. But a good children's book will also work as an adult's book as well. Yeah, yeah. And I've read stuff since where that has been true, but nothing as it's it's really clearly marked. It would be one of the things that I, one of the first things that I would say about J.K. Rowling's body of, of work, you know, the, the Potter body of work, um, is that absolutely it doesn't matter how old you are, you can read it and you can get something really incredible from it. Yeah, and, and you know, she doesn't shy away from the darkness of life. No. She doesn't shy away from being crawl through killing off characters you know i mean that i mean that's the other big question isn't it i mean not everybody cries but 
which death made you cry the most? Dobby. Hedwig. Hedwig. Dobby was a close second. <laughs> Wendy? Um, I, uh, for me, it was Dumbledore because I was not expecting it at all. It just came completely out of the blue. Yeah, so that, that, that one did hit me very hard too. Me, yeah. But Hedwig, oh, yeah, that 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 one that one still hits hard, and I, I've read yeah. that that book so many times. So, like there was a phase where I went through reading them, reading the books once a year. I, I don't do it do that quite as often now, but it's still every few years I will go back to Harry Potter, and that one still hurts me so much when it happens. Um, part of that might be because I'm an animal lover and a pet owner myself but i think even if you're not i think i think that should still really affect you yeah and there's also you know she writes a very deep relationship between harry and hedwig mm. you know when you look at the fact that quite often in his spare time he goes up to the armory to spend time with hedwig yeah but and, uh, I, I don't think that was symbolic that the relationship that she wrote between him and Hedwig was absolutely symbolic. It was the it was the biggest symbol that he was being accepted into a world for the first time. It was the cementing of a relationship with Hagrid. It was a sort of affirmation of these talents and skills that he knew nothing about and a, and a heritage that he knew nothing about. It was for for almost an incidental character. It was a fundamental relationship when she wrote it. And that's what I mean about the adult stuff. Because as a child, you might read that and say, oh, yeah, great, he's got a pet. But as an adult, you would read that. And you'd read so many other things. Yeah, into yeah definitely. And, you know, like you say, the fact that, and that is one of the things I was glad was kept into the films, is when you see Hagrid beaming at Harry through the shop window, <laughs> holding the cage, you know. Um, it's not done in quite the same way as it happens in the books. No. But at the same time, it's that fact of how happy Hagrid is to have bought it for Harry, mm. you know. Because Hagrid's not going to be a rich member of the wisdom community. Um, but he's, you know, and it's the, it, like you say, it's the mark of love he has for Harry. The cement in that relationship, like you say, fantastic. Now, I felt like as well he was giving something to Harry that he knows a lot about as well, because obviously he's so in like loves animals. Yeah. yeah. So it was something that he could give to Harry that was a part of himself as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the Wizarding World. We this this could be an hours, if not days, long program because there's so much to talk about. Um, I think we ought to at this point just uh, mention, because I've mentioned the Sorting Hat, the Hogwarts houses. Now, when you when you're put into a house, obviously, as we know, the Sorting Hat does take your opinion into a, into consideration. But you can be sorted into a Hogwarts house. You can go to Pottermore, which is the official fan site of the Potter, Potterverse. And you can sign up and log in, register for yourself, and you can get yourself uh, sorted. You can have your wand chosen. Mm -hmm. You can find out what your Patronus would be. Uh, there's lots and lots of stuff in there. It's really worth 
doing if you're a Harry Potter fan. Um, now, I know three of us here have been sorted. So I am a Hufflepuff through and through as, as, as yeah. I do have some Ravenclaw tendencies. However, I am a Hufflepuff through and through. Me too. I'm, I'm sat with a fellow Hufflepuff. I'm um, proud. Yeah. Uh, now, Johnny, you are a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. I knew you were Gryffindor or Ravenclaw. I knew you weren't the same as me. Uh, yeah. Johnny's good wife, who was going to join us tonight, but sadly can't because she's had to go to a rehearsal. Uh, she's a Gryffindor, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very proud of being a Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, now, Wendy's not been sorted. No. So, I, I mean... I don't think you should do it live on the show because it can take a bit of time, Wendy. But if you were to be sorted into a house, where do you think you'd land? Um, I think I would probably be... Um, I think I'd probably be either a Gryffindor or I'd be a Ravenclaw. Mm. One of the it, two. It is, you know, I think you can have tendencies of different houses. Yeah. Um, the the Pottermore sorting hat has been redeveloped twice now. So there's been three in, in three versions of it, three incarnations. And I've each time I've been resorted. And the first and third time I came out as Hufflepuff, but I did come out as a Ravenclaw the second time I was sorted. Mm. Um, and yeah, they've obviously put more work into it. They've changed the questions. They developed. It. I think it's more accurate now. Now. I think I, at this point, feel I really need to go out there and say I do feel a little bit bad about the amount of hatred that's levelled at Slytherins. Okay? And there is a criticism of J.K. Rowling for myself. In the last book, at the Battle of Hogwarts, when McGonagall tells... Filch to put all the Slytherins in the dungeons. <laughs> I do feel that that's a little bit like saying, "Well, you're all evil," and we know that Horace Slughorn, who is a Slytherin, isn't. Go on, Johnny. You got your hand up. What? That's only in the films. In the in the book, she tells she gets the Slytherins. She gives them the same choice as all the other students to yeah. stay. St but yeah. They they send them out um out of Hogsmeade via uh the Hogshead passageway, yeah. so they don't send them to the dungeons in the book. That I I I could be mistaken, but I think that's a film line only. No, I no, I think you're absolutely right because one of the things that um that struck me was again it's another it's an adult theme, but what I thought what she was saying was um, you picked your side, so go and be with the people you've chosen. Um, and it, it, again, I think that's a very adult approach to take. You know, we all face situations where we have to choose a side or a person or, you know, something that we support. Um, and uh, and I thought she illustrated that really well by saying, you know, oh, almost I remember... Um, my mother giving me a saying, which is, you've made your bed, you lie on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, like, but now, I, I, to be honest, at this point, to be certain, I'd have to go back and check the book. Um, I think you might be right, John, it is only in the films. 
But again, J.K. Rowling had enough control of the films to have said, no, I don't want that in. And for me, you know, we have to accept the fact that it doesn't matter which house you're in, the point of the houses was to put you with people who you are going to be alike so you work well together. However, the fact is, and the strength of Hogwarts is, the houses together. I suppose it was a bit contradictory as well, because at the end of the day, towards the end, you, you actually, as a reader, start realising it's not that bad to be in Slytherin. No. You actually start to have more respect for them. Like even Harry does at the end. He said, like, they're not all yeah. that bad. So I suppose it yeah, is a bit contradictory for her to be like really anti-Slytherin, but then be like, actually, they're still a bit OK. Yeah, I can see why that... there was a bit of contradictory language there with the writing. Yeah, because like you said, Jim, you've got the character of Horace Slughorn who overcomes his fear um to and jules voldemort in the final book um and then you've got deborah snape deborah who, snape the most famous children of all time ha, has a rather Possibly. large part to play um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and and there's draco malfoy as well who whilst he doesn't necessarily have himself. he doesn't necessarily have a redemption arc he certainly questions what his family are doing but so and... is his mum his mum does the same thing as well doesn't she even yeah. she's a bit like oh this isn't too good <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and um yeah so it, she does put all that stuff in there it's just not quite as in your face as it could and be she, and this is where you, there is quite a bit of Tension is too strong a word, but um, there is a divide amongst Harry Potter fans between the film world and the book world. Um, Now, I know the four of us are definitely going to come down on the book side of things. Um, So I, I suppose the question here is which bit of the books do you wish had made it into the films? I'd say... Oh, come on, come on. Come oh, on. sorry. No. Um, I, I'd say the, the Quidditch uh, running throughout all the books, because I know they, they do have the Quidditch in the first few films, but it very quickly gets, gets sidelined. And the Quidditch and flying on a broomstick is such such an integral part of Harry's character. Um, it, it's, it's an absolute travesty that they completely sideline that entire yeah, it, it is the one bit of him that he thinks he's really good at. It's the part of him yeah. he believes in. Yeah, and I know they do make a big deal out of it in the first two, and it appears in very brief scenes in some of the other films, but they never really focus on it. And like his relationships with the broomsticks that he has, because, um, again, it's yeah. another thing that he keeps with him when he's back at the Dursleys. He's got his broomstick yeah. there. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's one of the few things that he really excels at, um, along with the defense against the dark arts. So yeah, I feel you don't see enough of Harry being good at things in the films. <laughs> Wendy? For me, I think, um, I'm going to be a bit controversial here. Um, I think they got it right. Um, I think that they put all of the key elements that you needed to get to the end of a feature film in terms of the time they had available, I think all of the key pieces were in there so that you got a cohesive story. 
they could have included other things or or majored a little bit more on on some of those things um but the reality is if you if they'd have tried to reflect everything it would have been another it would have been another lord of the rings they would have been three and a half hours long there is um, nothing wrong with that wrong with that i'm <laughs> saying that that might be your taste but most people that go to a cinema don't want to take their pajamas it needs to be turned into an HBO TV series with eight no. series, you know. Yeah, give it, give it all the time. I, I do get that, Wendy, but I, I actually question whether the films are cohesive. Um, certainly the style of them isn't. It varies okay, massively. Yeah. Film. And then... Obviously, I've only ever seen the films having read the books. So yeah. I don't know how they appear to someone who has never read the books. I don't think that they actually make too much sense. Oh, I can answer that for you. Because okay. my sister, who is also a listener, in fact, she might be listening tonight, Elaine. Hello, Elaine, if you're listening in Froome, uh, in, um, in uh, Poulton, down south. Um, she's never read the books. <sighs> she's only ever seen the films and um, they don't read them and they are because they go leave them <laughs> she is addicted to them the whole of the family watch them they watch them on a regular basis and she would argue i think i'm sadly say this um she would argue that they are very cohesive and that they do follow a thread so i do think it is down to whether you've read the books or not in, in terms of in terms of that, whether she'd think that if she went back now and read the books, and I'm not sure that's why she's not read the books, because she finds the films are such a pleasurable experience. If she went back and read the books, they might not be. Well, Elaine, I would say definitely go and read the books, because I read the books first. I love the books. I, like Johnny, I went through a phase of reading them once a year. Uh, I now read them once every three or four years. Uh, I adore the books. I adore them so much. Um, I've written Harry Potter themed quizzes, which are book is canon only. You can't have the movie. Um, but also, I do love the movies. I adore the movies. Um, if I'm not feeling in my 100% best, I need a duvet day. I put Harry Potter film one on and I stay in bed until I've watched Harry Potter film seven. Um because that's what you have to do when you're poorly. Anyway, um, there was a thing online. I have to see if I can find it and share it on the uh, readers page. But it was like a, it had description words for people in the Harry Potter universe. And I remember that the one that said people who love the books but dislike people who have only seen the films is a is a um, death eater. I was like, that's me. Because <laughs> I must admit, I get a bit frustrated at people who are like, rage, I mean, raging Harry Potter fans who are like all about the merchandise, all about going to Harry Potter World, but they've never read the book. And I'm a bit like, why? <laughs> well, well, hopefully we can encourage them to read it. Me. <laughs> which, which bit of the books do you wish they'd included? The two. One of them's really childish, but it's just because I loved reading it. And that was the bit where they get rid of the, the, the genome, the garden, and the weasel's the genome, the garden. Genoming the garden. Because I loved reading that bit. That's, so I know fun. it's a bit of a childish thing, but I liked it. The other bit is I feel like the relationship with um, Dudley and Harry at the end, I wanted more, because in the book they actually, not reconcile as in like, oh yeah, no, we're, now we're best friends, but in the film there isn't much there, whereas in the book 
actually there's closure mm. for me yeah. and you actually realise that Dudley isn't that bad. <laughs> like yeah. it was yeah. just him yeah. being a bit of a bratty kid. And similar, Aunt Petunia have a, in the books is a lovely moment with her. Yeah, and I, I think that's a shame. There, there are two deleted scenes addressing both of those. With one with with the scene with Dudley from the books, and and another with Aunt Petunia, where again she you kind of see oh she is Harry's aunt. She does. Yeah. There is some glimmer I've not of seen feelings them. Send there. Them. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. I, I just I I love the films. I I yeah. just I I have a very complicated relationship with them because I love them so much. And like like you, Jim, like they'll be they're one of my comfort films that I'll go to. Um, however, they also frustrate me so much as well. Um, particularly as as they go on, they get more frustrating. Um, and I get that they can't include everything in a film. I understand you have to. It's an adaptation. Yeah. Um, but you know there are certain things like Harry's relationships with certain characters they never really go into so when certain deaths happen it doesn't really hit you quite as hard so uh, Lupin and Tonks um, obviously in the books they're very major characters and Harry and Lupin have not a father-son relationship but like a close close uncle it's it's an uncle-nephew relationship definitely yeah Uh, and you know Lupin makes Harry godfather of his child and they're close with Tonks as well and then when they die off page it really hurts Um, and then in the film it's just kind of oh and they're dead too Uh, and it felt very shoehorned in Um, and yeah. For me the bit I wish had been included it's kind of it's one thing but it does have kind of two bits. It's the house elves. Yeah. 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 For me, yeah. the whole it, like we see Dobby, we see Creature, Winky is never mentioned yeah. in the film. Um, but also when the, they go down and the scenes, yeah, the scenes in the kitchens with the house elves oh i wish they'd made those but also and this is the big bit for me creatures redemption yeah. mm. because in the books and this is something that i think really was lacking from the films in the books going and searching for the horcruxes and how to get them and the plotting and the time they spend at grimold place figuring it out it is a little bit dull because they are having to go through this whole process. But also, we mm. see a different side to Creature. Mm. And one of the bits that really stabbed me in the feels when I first read it was the fact that they couldn't go back to Grim Old Place and explain to Creature why they hadn't turned up for dinner. Mm. And he'd be waiting for them. And that really got me in the feels when I first read mm. that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, oh, I feel bad for Creature. And when we first meet Creature, of course, he's such a horrible house elf. And, so, and, I, and he, he, you know, he causes or is one of the causes of the deaths of one of the main characters. Which is yeah. serious as well. He's one of the instigators. And yet somehow by the, 
not even halfway through the final book, you're really feeling for him. Yeah. It's, it's very cleverly written. If, if we're going to go on things like things that we think that should be included, what bit didn't you like? About, if, is there anything of the books that you didn't like or struggled with? Because for me, I struggled the first time I read it, I struggled with when they were searching for the Horcruxes. I'm not gonna lie, it dragged for me. I was a bit like, oh my god, it's yeah. not so bad now, but the first time I was a bit like, no, I didn't drag. It does drag a bit, but I think I got it. That's the point. I get that now, but the first time I was like, <laughs> it sort of felt for me, first time reading it, as though they had lost their way a bit and they didn't know what to do. Um, um, when the penny dropped, and I thought, no, that's exactly what she's written it like that. Yeah, because yeah. They didn't know what to do, and sometimes, um, all all the clevers, all the smarts in the world, um, won't help you. Sometimes you just need a bit of luck. And that little bit of outside help as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we find out that it was Snake that sent the dough. Mm. You know, mm. it's like, oh, that. And again, I think some of the tying up and explanation is rushed a little bit in the films. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we do accept that it's a film adaptation and, they, you know, they can't make it 14 films long like they should have done. But... Much uh, disappointment. Yes. And mine. And mine. Uh, you know, you know they've brought out the uh, Lord of the Rings extended director's cut where there's nothing cut from it that should so happen for Harry Potter. <laughs> because characters that were filmed that didn't make the cut... Rick Mail. Rick Mail. <laughs> Rick Mail. <laughs> he, he would have been so good. Are you aware of this, Wendy? So oh, good no. Rick Mail played Peeves the Poltergeist. Oh no! There's a there's an interview where he was talking about it, and he was like, "Jokes on them because I still got paid." <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> oh no, I didn't realise that. Apparently, it, they filmed it, but the it, for the first film, but the effects for Peeves weren't good enough, and basically they made the decision right. Let's let's cut it, and then they never kind of, you know, introduce him in the next all, film, uh, something like that. Like they just oh, that's such a shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and because the thing about Peeves is he is a central character. Big. Mm. He appears so much in the books, and the things he does to annoy the students and all of that, and annoy the teachers. But then, the moment that it all becomes clear of why he's like that for me, and why I think J.K. Rowling wrote it was when Umbridge becomes the headmistress. Mm. Because what we missed in the films that was really clear in the books, and when it was beautifully done in the books, I thought, was the rebellion against Umbridge, the under, the silent rebellion, yeah. that, you know, things like um, Peeves is trying to unscrew the um, chandelier, and as McGonagall walks past, it's the other way, you idiot. Because <laughs> yeah. she's helping Peeves. Whereas normally the teachers are against him. They mm. want him to upset Umbridge. Mm. The fact that um, the Weasley twins produce a swamp in one of the corridors. And all the teachers went, yeah, I can't get rid of that. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry, headmistress, you'll have to do it. And she can't get rid of it. Now, it 
clearly McGonagall and Flitwick would have the power to get rid of that. <laughs> um, possibly even Snape. Because he's, you know, he's a damn good wizard. Absolutely. But they all like, no, sorry, sorry, headmistress, we can't get rid of that. And she's stuck yeah. with this swamp in one of the corridors. And all the, because I do think, don't get me wrong, there isn't a soul alive who has a warm heart who thinks Dolores Umbridge is a good person. Um, I, 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 I'd argue... I'd argue she's worse than Voldemort. (laughs) It's really interesting that I saw um, the actress who plays... uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I saw her being interviewed about the part. And she argued quite, um, quite passionately that um, she was uh, a misunderstood woman, that Umbridge was a misunderstood woman, and that she really only had the children's best um, best interests at heart. And, you know, from that moment on, I've not liked her. Uh, <laughs> I like another thought. She's I, great. I think that that's true method acting, <laughs> because that's clearly what Umbridge believes. And clearly the only way Staunton could portray her that well was to convince herself of the same thing that Umbridge thinks. Yeah. Umbridge has yeah. anyone's best interest at heart apart from her own. Absolutely. She's definitely worse than Voldemort. Because Voldemort is a fantastical villain. We, we've never met a Voldemort. Okay? He's, he's, a, he's a mythical character, mythical villain. We've all met an Umbridge. Umbridge, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, like... Whether that's at school or uni or at work or in another aspect of life, we've all met an umbridge at some point. And well, I'm not sure I've ever met somebody that bad, but I can see what you mean. I think because she's slightly more relatable as a villain, mm-hmm. I think maybe it hits you a bit more when she's doing the things she does. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas, whereas Voldemort is—he's like the supreme evil, isn't he? He's—he's he's a lot harder to understand, um, akin to like Sauron in Lord of the Rings or something. <clears throat> whereas Umbridge is a much more low level, but when I say low level, I mean a more human villain. Yeah. Um, the thing for me, Umbridge, is that she's evil for no other reason that she enjoys it. Yeah. She doesn't get anything else out of it. She doesn't get money out of it. She doesn't get position out of it. She just is that horrible because she enjoys being that horrible. And there are people like that around who take absolute pleasure in other people's misery. Um, so, yeah, I think she's very accessible. Luckily, there are, there are not that many of them around, um, but there are, there are definitely characters like Umbridge around. Now... There's a beautiful, beautiful scene where Umbridge gets her comeuppance in the Forbidden Forest. Um, And it's excellently written and it does transfer quite well across the screen. Um, Are there any other points in the film that fill you with that kind of glee? what, What makes you really happy? Like when that scene starts... You're like, oh, I love this bit. This is my favourite bit, whether it's in the film or actually one of the scenes in the books. 
I think when for me when and I don't know if glee is the right word, but probably more so pride is when Neville starts standing up for himself. I felt a bit of a kin with Neville. It's going to sound really sad, but like, I used to get bullied a lot in school, so I used to grow up with Harry Potter as well, like because it was my space of safety, if you know what I mean. So I felt a bit of a kinship with Neville. I was like, he's always the one that's like beaten down. No one really cares, but at the end, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be treated like this anymore. And he's like, he leads Harry's side, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, he does have a fantastic character arc. And for me, one of my favourite Neville moments is when we see him almost a grown man. Mm. <clears throat> and he's lead, like you say, he's leading yeah, yeah. Dumbledore's army in Harry's absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- this, this is no longer a boy. This is the man that stayed behind and took the beatings from the Carrows and put up with all the hardships that were happening at the school. You know, I have so much respect, Mm. so much respect for Neville Longbottom. And one of the bits that would have, you know, if if I were to list all the bits I wanted in the films, the scene at the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Find out the truth about Neville's mum and dad. Yeah. Because in one way, for Harry, yes, losing his mum and dad was evil and horrible. But Neville hasn't lost them, but has lost them. Yeah. And that's that, that's tormented. a li- that's a living hell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Johnny, Wendy, any bits that really fill you with? A sense of joy, glee. Um, the bit for me that I love is when um, when Dobby gets his freedom. I love that bit. I love that liberation of him and how grateful he is and how actually he then steps up to the plate and he uses this, you know, this newfound freedom, not for himself. But actually, to stand up for others, and I thought that was just—I just thought it was brilliantly written. It was quite well done in the film, but I prefer the written version of that yeah. um, because I think it get, it, there's more depth mm. to it. But yeah, yeah my favourite bit. I also quite like the fact that when you look at the house elves, and like you say, when he stands up to the wizard, mm-hmm. house elf magic—that is strong magic. Mm-hmm. And there, I'm sure if if I've not dug that deep, whether it's been written or not, I know there's been some quite a bit of writing on the house elves. But I'm sure deep down, the reason the house elves are house elves are enslaved is because they are too yeah, dangerous to the wizards yeah. to let them be free. Yeah, absolutely. If they, and and where look, I mean, if you look at the parallels between the real world and the Potterverse, they are deep, aren't they? Mm, they are absolutely. Johnny, Johnny, for you then. Um, so I have I have two bits. Um, one's more a storyline, which they do kind of do in the films, and it's the Weasleys, Wizard Weezers storyline. Yeah. So so obviously they, they do the sweets and they do the shop in the film, but they don't make a huge deal out of it because, again, it, time constraints, that's understandable. But obviously in the books, Harry has a very close relationship with Fred and George. Yeah. Um, and again, that's one of the reasons why Fred's death it's so hard 
um, because not just because of how Ron and George feel, but because of how Harry uh, relates itself to Fred. But um, the whole fact that it started because Harry gives them his funds from winning the Triwizard Tournament, and that's what spurs them on to make this incredibly successful business, mm-hmm. uh, using their skills as brilliant wizards, but not necessarily academic wizards. It's yes. a really, really... Yes, yeah, um, and I think Fred and George are quite relatable in that respect, yeah. that you don't have to be academic to be intelligent or to be successful, um, which is quite nice. And then my other one, the other bit that I love is uh, the, the final chapter. Um, and I don't mean the, the epilogue. I mean, uh, I think it's called, what's, oh, what's the very last chapter called? Um, I can't remember. Um, the floor and the pan, and yeah. it was basically that chapter where Harry, he's worked out exactly what he needs to do. He's worked out exactly what's happened, and he, it ends with him just speaking to Voldemort. And their final duel is over in an instant, but the actual magic side of it, but the duel itself is a duel of words, mm-hmm. and yeah. I I love that about it. Um, like, and it's so clever. And when things just wrap up so nicely, mm. it's it's one of the best endings to a series I have ever read. Mm. Um, it's so incredibly satisfying and well written, well rounded off. I mm. just adore it. Oh, read it again. I oh, you you might have to check my knowledge of the films here. What's the last thing Harry uses the Elder Wand for? In the books, it's to repair his his original wand. Yeah. It's a lovely in, in the film, I think it's to kill Voldemort. Yeah. And now, for me, that's one minor detail which they included. Because it's like... Well, yeah, okay. Maybe you don't think. Yeah, and I agree. For me, maybe it's not minor. It's a very small time constraint, then, shall we say? Mm. But the fact that he chooses to fix his own wand and dispense with the most powerful wand ever. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's a real mark of who Harry is. Mm. Mm. Um, right. I mean, we could talk for days. Unfortunately, they won't let us. Maybe we need a second trip to the Potterverse at some point. I don't know. But for now. <laughs> Before we wrap up, a couple of questions I'd like to put to you. Just short uh, one-word answers, um, all I require at this point. Um, firstly, if you could go anywhere in the Potterverse, where would it be? Emily? Might need to have to think. Johnny? <laughs> Hogwarts. Wendy? Um, I think I would go to the Leaky Cauldron. Leaky Cauldron. Uh, the borough, yeah. The borough, and for me, I I'm, I agree with Johnny. Sorry, I, I've I've got to go to Hogwarts. I've got to go to the castle. Okay, uh, your favourite magical creature from the world of the Potterverse, uh, Emily. I'm not going to give you time to think this time. Oh, You've got no. it now. Come on. Bookbeak. Bookbeak. Doesn't have to be a specific individual creature. It could be a species. Uh, Johnny. Uh, 
Crookshanks. Crookshanks, all oh, good choice. Ooh, Wendy? Yes, yeah, I, um, mine's got to be um, Hedwig. Um, just Hedwig? Yeah. Uh, and for me, I, I think, actually, Thestrals. Oh yeah, I really love Thestrals. They're they're beautiful. Um, okay, uh, your favourite spell, Wendy. Um, mine would be. Um, I think mine would be Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus. Yeah, because um, you're always safe as long as you remember that one. You're always yeah. safe, Johnny. Um, what he was he because it's the best. What he was, yes, what he was he. I think I'd go with Expecto Patronum. Expecto Patronum for me, and this is born purely out of without a doubt, it would be the sm- spell I would use the most Accio. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt, I would be using that more than any other spell. <laughs> yes. Not saying I'm lazy in the slightest, but Accio, I would use more than anything else. Okay. Um, so, I have a question. I just, go on, Johnny. If you could have any job in the wizarding world, what would it be? Oh, that is a good question. Oh, that's a good one. I think I'd probably either do, what is it, new... Uh, Newt's commander. Newt's commander. What is yeah, he? Zoologist. Yeah, Magi- 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 yeah, either his or care of magical creatures because of being an animal lover. Mm. Mm. Wendy. Um, I think I would quite like to be a professor at Hogwarts. I'd quite like to have a specialism and. Um, what, would, what would be your subject, Wendy? Um. Well, it certainly wouldn't be numerology, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbish at numbers. Um, probably divinity, I think. I think that would be quite Divination, good. okay. Yeah, divination. Um, I'd quite like to be landlord of the three broomsticks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think Madame Rosmerta's got quite a cushy deal there. That's yeah. not a bad place to be working. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be. But part of me was very tempted to say headmaster, headmaster of Hogwarts. Mm. Well, you didn't, to be honest. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I've, I've, quite, I've, I've always been a landlord of some sort. I've always worked behind bars. So yeah. Well, um, you did. Uh, I, I same as Emily. Um, I go magic zoologist. I think the, those creatures. I mean, the imagination she puts into. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're part of um, my favourite bit of the films. Like in Harry Potter, in uh, at the Harry Potter world in London, the the creature shop is the best bit. Like hands down, it's my favourite section. I love it. It's so good. Um, and whilst I'm not a huge fan of the Fantastic Beasts films, I do love the magical creatures that appear mm-hmm. in them. I it, I just the whole mythical creatures thing is amazing. And mm. yeah, it's great to be. A part of that yeah I think. and i think for me one of the magical things about harry potter and what does tie in with what you say johnny about the fact that it, this could be real is that we all know deep down behind all myths and legends there's a little bit of truth somewhere because someone's and, and you know 
what we're told is that, you know, dragons weren't real, but because someone saw a big lizard and then someone told the story and elaborated and added a bit and embellished the story, eventually it became a fire-breathing flying lizard rather than just a giant lizard. Um, however, J.K. Rowling really does play on that by, and if you know your mythologies, I know, Johnny, like myself, you're a big mythology fan, she really does tie into a lot of international mythology as well, not just ours, yeah, yeah. and she really ties in just enough so that actually, yeah. Well, yeah, that could be, yeah, and that does link to what we, and yeah, that, yeah, okay. I'm really yeah. sad that I didn't get to go, but they did an exhibition thing at the British Library, didn't they, with all the mm. artefacts and stuff that were related to the book, and I'm really yeah. sad I didn't get to go because... That would have been incredible. Well, we can live in hope it will be redone. Hopefully. Um, so before we finish, what we haven't really done is we've not... Well, actually, I've got, I've got one question I have to ask, which we'll finish with. But we've not touched upon, in a great way, the wider Potterverse. Because there is a lot of writing around the Potterverse, both fan fictions... The Pottermore stuff that J.K. Rowling wrote herself, the additional books like Quidditch Through the Ages, uh, Magical Pit, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. The best are, one, yeah, Tales of Beedle the Bard. Tales of Beedle the Bard. These are all books she's actually, they're books that are mentioned in the films and in the books, and she has gone on to write. Um, you know, how do we sit where we feel about some of those things, including fan fictions? Uh, Johnny, anything you want to mention there? I really like those extra books she wrote. Um, I love things that flesh out a world. Uh, and I like the extra stuff she wrote on Pottermore. I am, I think I said earlier, I'm not a fan of the Fantastic Beasts films, mainly because I don't think they're very good films. Um, and I, I dislike The Cursed Child quite, quite a lot. Have um, you seen? No, I've read the script. So I need to I, go and see it because yeah. it is the best thing I've seen in theatre on top of Fans for the Opera, so you need to go and see I, it. Oh. Anna, I'll, I'll say I thoroughly expect my opinion may change. Not the same, yeah. However, 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 an impressive set doesn't negate a bad script. Um, <laughs> but, it can, but it can help. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not personally a fan of, of fan fiction in general. It's not really my thing. Yeah, um, but I'm not taking away from the skill of some of the one, some of the people who have written it. Uh, I'm sure some of it is excellent. It's just not my, not my cup of tea. Okay, Wendy. Um, again, at the risk of being controversial, um, I have a problem with the world that's grown up about it, uh, around the Potterverse, and that is, um, that is commercialisation. I yeah. worry that things are done simply to make a quick book. They are. Because they add anything to the legend, which is this, this body of work. Um, and I know some people will say, you know, that that's the wrong way to... But I just can't get it out of my head, really, um, that some of the stuff that has been written around it hasn't added anything to it for me. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, Emily. The same as Johnny, really. Like, I like the added books as well, like Tales of the Beard of the Bard. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. 
I like them. Uh, and, and the show as well. I, will, I may yeah. as well add that in that the show is amazing live. It's so good. <laughs> I, I, I would add in that I think for me, the further writing that she's done around it um, on Pottermore, I think mm. does add a lot of depth. There is stuff she's written that explains the history, why certain laws are in place, um, the Goblin Rebellion, things that are taught in the lessons. You know, these aren't just things that she randomly chucks into a lesson. She's she's written about it. I think it does add a wealth to the world. I do agree with you there, Wendy. There is a lot of commercialisation around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not about the stuff that she's written because for me, what the 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 detail that she's added simply shows the depth of planning, thinking, writing, rewriting, devising shows the amount of work that went into this body of work. Yeah, um, and it's no, you know, it's no mean feat to write a single novel. But to write what she's written is astounding. So I'm certainly not criticising that, but I do think there are people willing to jump on a bandwagon, yeah. which which doesn't add anything to to the story. Now, I, I'm, well, that's really my last question. Okay. Um, my my final thing I'd like to say on on that last question is that I'm not a big fan of fan fiction, Johnny. Similar to you, however. I have started reading, and I haven't got very far into it, but I have started reading a fan fiction that tells the story of Harry Potter, exactly the same events, nothing taken away from it, but from the perspective of Hermione. Okay. And it's an interesting read. I think it's because it's not official, I'm a bit like, I don't, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I know that sounds yeah, and that, really and bad. That's fair enough. Because it's not legit, I'm a bit like... Bleh. But from a literary point of view, I find it quite an interesting read. Um, certainly from an, if we were to look at this as an academic piece of literature, I think it's an interesting read. Anyway, yeah. final question of the programme. Um, your favourite of the seven books? Eight books, rather. Half-Blood Half Prince came out a bit from um i think um for me it would be prisoner of azkaban for me, johnny it's it, it's a tie between prisoner of azkaban and the deathly hallows i this is one a lot of people tell me isn't their favorite but i love it the goblet of fire do love that book right they're, they're all great they are all great. They're all great. They're oh, we do another hour. Fantastic. Fantastic <laughs> seven My favourite, my favourite possessions. I've got somewhere packed away safely my uh, original hard copy edition, hardback editions that I bought all those years ago. But anyway, we have reached the end of the show. Mesdames and Messieurs, ladies and gents, until next week, good reading. Good reading. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. 
And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks. <laughs>